2: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for walk well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: Hi, Billy. Uh, where did you guys end up on uh, Zach and Kobe? Are they kind of in a warm-up and see how they are situation? So three guys out tonight, Kobe, Zach, and Garrett. All three guys will be out tonight. Hour three of the program, Mike Esposito back on the score with you. And uh, that's Casey Johnson on the uh, Bulls pregame Zoom. And that's Billy Donovan with a huge bucket of cold water uh, on (laughs) tonight's game against Phoenix. Uh, So due to injury, Kobe White, neck injury, Zach Levine, ankle injury, Garrett Temple, uh, hamstring will not play tonight in Phoenix. Uh, And (laughs) That's a problem, uh, considering it's uh, two of your best scores, and in fact, I would say your two best scores before Vooch came along. But uh, uh, we'll see how they do. Phoenix is a heck of a team out west and uh, playing very well. They're over the thirty win mark, uh, but that was Billy Donovan, and we'll we'll talk lots of Bulls in the next segment uh, with our pal Bill Wennington from our broadcast team. Bill and Chuck Sworski will have the call of the game. Uh, after the show, in fact, 845 pre nine o'clock tip uh, in Phoenix against the Suns for the Bulls. So that is the bad news there. Uh, we've been talking a lot of baseball tonight. And uh, why not? It's opening day tomorrow. The Cubs will be here at Wrigley Field. They'll also be here on 670. The score Uh, With Zach's pregame at 1245 and then first pitch at 120, Uh, it will certainly be great to have uh, Pat and Ron and Zach back on the air. It'll be great to hear Cubs baseball uh, back on these airwaves. Uh, The other nice thing to hear, and I guess maybe not nice to hear, depending on your point of view, uh, Jed Hoyer earlier today talking about Anthony Rizzo, uh, used lots of positive words uh, about Rizzo and optimism about bringing him back. Uh, Despite the uh, uh, breakdown, I guess you would call it, of contract talks here in the preseason, uh, Rizzo had set an opening day deadline, kind of, said he wanted to to get it through, uh, get things done before uh, the season started. That didn't happen. Uh, Jed Hoyer still remaining optimistic that uh, they can get something done. Uh, to keep Rizzo in Chicago and playing first base for the Cubs on the south side, and we talked about this uh, last segment with James Fo- James Fox from Future Sox. Uh, try saying that a few times real fast. <laughs> James Fox, Future Sox. Um, Andrew Vaughn uh, is not in the lineup tomorrow. We we got a lineup out of Tony Larusa tonight, uh, and it's Laury Garcia in left, and Zach Collins your DH. So Andrew Vaughn will come off the bench tomorrow, uh, and Andrew Vaughn will uh, most likely DH on Friday. And I know Sean Anderson, our producer, uh, had some uh, some thoughts on that one.
2: Yeah, I, I, we were talking a little bit earlier, and it's just the fact that this is going to be now delaying Andrew Vaughn's opening day. And there was talk, too, on White Sox Twitter, and I don't know how verified it is, but there was uh-huh. talks that there was going to be an extension today for Andrew Vaughn and that he reportedly turned it down. So I I think some people are also wondering, too, does this have to play into it that, you know, now that you didn't sign this extension, you don't get to make your first opening day start. You have to wait another day. Like, they can use the the theory and the the idea that they want to wait for him to face a lefty and Heaney in their second game, but also Zach Collins is going to start opening day and then have three days off, apparently, which makes no sense in my mind.
1: Well, and and we've also had Tony Larusa tell us earlier this week that Andrew Vaughn for sure would be in one of the two slots, DH or left field. And then today he told us that he's not. So um, none of these things are set in stone. Um, But yeah, the the Vaughn extension stuff is interesting, Sean. Um, Again, I don't know how much uh, you believe some of that uh, uh, Twitterverse stuff, but um, it certainly is interesting. It fits the pattern of what. Rick Hahn and this White Sox regime, and I'm including Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinsdorf in there. Uh, this is one of the things they've done extremely well over the years uh, is it, it's a reward for young guys, but it's a reward for the team and that they lock up a lot of uh, their best young players to team friendly contracts. They might make uh, a lot more than they would have uh, the first few years, but then the last few years are to the Sox advantage and, and they kind of, you know, whatever the math is that they do there, uh, they make it work, and, and currently you've got uh, Aloy on one of those contracts. And you know what? Listen, that contract will look pretty lousy if Aloy keeps getting hurt. And you know, uh, we certainly hope that is not the case. Luis Robert is under one of those contracts. Chris Sale was famously under one of those contracts. And uh, you then flipped him for uh, Lucas Giolito, uh, Adam Eaton, Uh, That was the, uh, or excuse me, the Adam Eaton trade was Washington. That was the Giolito one. The the Chris Sale trade was the Moncada trade with Boston. Um, But Adam Eaton was another one of those uh, value signings, I guess you would call it. And they flipped him to the Nationals for Lucas Giolito. And look who's right back on your team, everybody. It's Adam Eaton. But uh, certainly uh, part of the fun with the White Sox this year, uh, in addition, as James Fox pointed out, in the last segment, having probably the best bullpen in baseball with Hendricks, uh, Bummer, Crochet, Foster, Marshall, Hoyer, um, you know, Kopech, we didn't even mention uh, in terms of, you know, because he's going to likely be your long man there. Um, that bullpen is going to be fantastic. It will be fun to watch them close out games in which the White Sox lead. You could argue that, uh, you know, Gilito Keuchel and company, you guys go five, maybe six. And we got it from here, and you're going to win 95% of those games, if not more, right? With this bullpen, that's impressive stuff, and that's what uh, you know. Championship teams are able to do. Most famously, you remember the Kansas City Royals a few years ago when they won the World Series, and they had that seventh, eighth, ninth with uh, with Wade Davis uh, and company in there. Uh, Soria was out there as well. You also have, uh, in terms of um, intrigue here in terms of lineup intrigue you've got the catching thing and we've talked about uh sean actually you just mentioned uh, you know zach collins is starting as a dh tomorrow but then LaRussa said something about him not playing the next few days so so what is, does that mean Yasmani grandal every day no probably not but uh mercedes is out there but uh it'll be interesting to see you've got three catchers you got a 26th man now so remember that Uh, And you've got some, some parts that uh, are interchangeable and guys that you can move around. So uh, I'm interested to um, see how this works out. I'm interested to see how Larusa handles this. Um, And Sean, I mean, what do you think as, as a younger guy? I mean, you probably don't, you you don't have the, you know, I have a long memory of Tony Larusa. What What do you make of, of 76 year old Tony Larusa leading, leading the charge for these guys this year?
2: I mean, he's got experience. I'm not, I'm not mad at that. I just, I thought it came out of nowhere and then the DUI stuff and especially how it was reportedly handled by uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, where he apparently and reportedly did not tell Rick Khan that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't like the fact that he was coming in with two DUIs on him and then also the fact that there wasn't conversation between Jerry and Rick making it seem like it was Jerry's choice. And As a fan, I don't want my owner running the team. You hired Rick for a reason. You hired Kenny for a reason. So I I don't mind the actual manager because he's got three World Series. He's got a ton of experience. And, again, everyone has said it, that they're now in win-now mode. And I can't be mad at that, especially if they go out and then win. But I, I do worry about the fact of how much control does Jerry Reinstorf have Over this organization, because I think Bulls fans can look and see how much that the loyalty of that organization held them back. And you see this year how excited and rejuvenated Bulls fans feel from the Karnashovice regime. So I just worry about how much. Jerry has, uh, when it comes to control of the white Sox that worries me because he isn't a baseball guy. He's a, he's so far been an all right owner. He's got a, a world series and I can't complain about that. Um, but I do worry about if he is controlling the team too much, uh, from up above.
1: Yeah. And I know, and you know, you brought up the bulls. So I know normally with the bulls stuff, he has kind of, uh, tried to stay out of it. I know, you know, uh, and this goes way back, but you know, some of the, the Jordan contracts, at the end when he was doing one-year deals at a time for, for a ton of money. Um, I think some of that was Jerry direct. And uh, you also had, and famously, he told Scotty Pippen at the time, don't sign this extension, which was the extension that, that Scottie Pippen was eventually furious that he signed because it was a, a, low, a low ball offer or a low ball extension based on what he could have been making Uh, But at the time, Scotty wanted to sign it. And, you know, by all reports that Reinsdorf told him, do not, you know, you're not going to want to have the, you know, we will sign, we will give this to you, but you're going to be upset with this uh, in a few years. Uh, So I don't, I mean, I get, I get what you're saying though, Sean, about having the owner kind of shove a manager down everyone's throat. Um, The players certainly seem to have warmed up to it a little bit. Um, I'm heartened by hearing stuff like we played a cut earlier in the show about Ozzie Guillen uh, saying how Tony La Russa is the right guy for this team because he is going to push them to win right now, which is what they are built to do. That makes me feel a little better because, you know, listen, I covered Ozzy for a lot of years. I trust Ozzy's baseball judgment. And I think, um, you know, his feeling carries weight with me, right? So if he, if he came out and said, you know what, this is a terrible hire. I, I just don't think this is the right way to go about this. I'd rather have gone with a younger guy. I wouldn't feel so great about it. Um, you know, I still have my apprehensions, but listen, in terms of baseball X's and O's strategy, um, you know, the, 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 the guy basically, uh, invented along with Dave Duncan, his longtime pitching coach, you know, how you're going to manage back ends of bullpens, uh, you remember, or maybe you don't remember if you're too young, but Dennis Eckersley back in those eighties, Oakland's team, Oakland A's teams, um, and, and how Larusa and Duncan managed that team and that pitching staff and that relief staff, um, he certainly has been an innovator throughout his career. He's third all-time in wins, Hall of Fame member already. But how does he handle a young team? I mean, really, you've got you've got some veteran leadership on this team with Grandal and with Jose Abreu. you got a lot of young guys. Um, and uh, it's an interesting mix. And you throw a 76-year-old man. I forget about his baseball credentials, right? You throw a 76-year-old man in that dugout, you know, it's not automatic. He's he's gotta make it happen. I mean, you know, you have you have other teams with you know, with forty something managers or in, in I believe in one or two cases, you know, late thirty something managers. Um, guys like Rocco Baldelli who played the game until a few years ago. And then you have Larussa who started managing the White Sox in nineteen seventy nine, uh, for his first go around. I mean, you know, most of us were either little kids or not born at that time. Uh, but La Russa has been around this game. For a long time. Yeah, at long least... Long time.
2: The part that I do like, though, is to go to your point about the younger managers. He does have Miguel Cairo as his uh, bench manager. He's 46 yep. and has coach, playing yep. time. And then also Ethan Katz, extremely young, and he seems to be gelling with the pitchers extremely well. So as long as Tony, again, is being the guy at the top, making the smart baseball decisions that he has been making since 1979, uh, right. it's, that, that's something that, that does give me hope, especially with the fact that he seems to be vibing with the lo- locker room so far as much as a 76-year-old can vibe.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the other random and things uh, that I love about baseball is you have Tony La Russa, who started managing the Sox in 1979, and then famously fired by Hawk Harrelson, GM of the team, uh, in 1986. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf always then said that that was the worst, uh, you know, worst mistake of his baseball career. Um, La Russa goes on to great success, World Series success with Oakland, with St. Louis, Hall of Fame career. And then here we are in 2021, randomly, and Tony La Russa is once again the manager of the Sox. And Hawk Harrelson is your beloved retired broadcaster. It's all very baseball, and I'm here for it. Uh, We're going to do very basketball next uh, with our friend Bill Wennington. uh, As we head into Bulls and Suns basketball tonight from Phoenix, some big Bulls news on the injury front. We'll talk about that with uh, good old number 34 when we return. Mike Esposito with you here on 670 The score.
0: And this game is over. Golden State wins at 116-102. So the Warriors have now won eight straight in this series.
1: And that was Chuck Swirsky Monday night as the Bulls dropped uh, their fourth straight to Golden State. 116-102 was the score there. They've lost six of seven. The music is getting me excited, though, because you know what that means. That means we're heading on out to the Alpamani Nissan Hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or apnissan.com. There we find the man in the middle, number 34. Find him on Twitter at 34billy42. It's our friend Bill Wennington joining us. Hello, Bill.
0: Mike, you know what? I-, I like that saying a little bit because everyone said the man in the middle, but then they always referred to the team like a donut. <laughs>
1: No, it's hey, it's a uh it's it's good to uh to throw those out there every once in a while and uh certainly good to have you on the on the show. I know you and Chuck have uh pregame coming up here at 8:45 uh the Bulls in Wait, Phoenix. Wait, is today game day? <laughs>
0: yes. Oh, I you know what? To, I better get to the studio.
1: Bill, I was going to say you, you need to get to Phoenix. You need to you get on a plane <laughs> and, and find your way there. Uh no, so we <laughs> we have Bulls and Suns for you tonight here on the score uh 8:45 for the pregame, but yeah, we just got the uh, the bad news from Billy Donovan uh, about an hour ago. Uh, not looking so good on the injury front. We we wondered on Bulls post game the other night how bad Zach Levine's ankle was bothering him. I guess I guess we know now.
0: Yeah, well, you could tell watching the game, and you could see he didn't have the lift. He wasn't finishing at the rim quite the same way, and obviously it affected his shot. Uh, mm-hmm. Did not shoot the ball well uh, the other night against Golden State as it was four of sixteen uh, from the floor. But you know, in, in I don't. It's never good when a guy sits out because you always want to have it a, 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 the best opportunity to win a game that you can. But if he's not right, then it's better that he sits out rather than this being something that's going to linger on uh, for weeks and weeks. So hopefully, uh, he'll sit out tonight. They'll reevaluate it in a day and see how he's feeling when uh, the team gets to Utah, and we'll we'll go from there.
1: And uh, the other injuries, For if you're just joining us, so Zach Levine, ankle out tonight, Kobe White. I assume it's the the neck spasms out again tonight, and then Garrett Temple uh, tweaked his hamstring the other night, so he will miss tonight too. Uh, and I wanted to ask you about Kobe. I mean, neck spasms, is that – I mean, I guess people understand a broken bone or a sprained ankle, but what is it – What what when they say neck spasms, what are they referring to, and how, how does that uh, – how does that manifest itself? I, I'm I'm struggling to understand what he means by when they say he has neck spasms.
0: Well, Mike, lucky you're talking mean to me now because I've just gone through a pinched nerve and neck spasms, and I oh. know exactly what he's Perfect. talking about. And uh, And and I'm I'm one that usually tries to tolerate it, and I've I've actually been dealing with this since December. Okay. And it started off mild mildly, and I was just having a numbness going down my arm, my right arm, and a little tightness in my neck and shoulder. Uh, and it would be on and off, but then uh, about two weeks ago, it got unbearable at times, and uh, so I had to go to the doctor, and they uh, gave me some medicine, and the medicine kicked in and started working after about three days, and it feels much better now, but now I'm still going through physical therapy, and it could be anything from uh, severe tightness where you can't turn your head left or right Hmm. to uh, tingling or numbness going down your arm, and again, I don't know exactly what's going on with Kobe, but I know... Uh, neck pain. Neck pain can be uh, very difficult and painful to deal with.
1: Yeah, the more you know, and I'm glad I did ask. I did not realize uh, your your recent neck issues. I appreciate the uh, the intel, though. Um, and and, and it,
0: just so you know, Mike, it has nothing to do with necking.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It's 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 uh the the old uh, spasm there, and uh, we we have uh, uh, lots more to find out about about Kobe. But it stinks when you talk about. When when you have guys out and you know the two top scorers on this team outside of Vucevic, who is you know obviously a new player, uh, that's that's a, a bitter pill to swallow, especially uh, against a very good Phoenix Suns team that is currently thirty two and fourteen and atop the uh, standings in the Pacific.
0: You're absolutely right, but then you know as the saying goes, when when a door is closed, a window is open, and that's a window of opportunity, and especially when you're looking at guys like Brown and Green. Uh, Aminu, the new guys here on the team uh, Mm -hmm. are going to have more opportunities to play in that backcourt and see see what they can do. So, in some ways, it's it's good in that way. I mean, you try to find the silver lining in every situation. Uh, If you're an optimist, uh, again, it's always bad when someone's hurt if you don't have the best possible opportunity uh, to win. But everyone on this roster is here for a reason, and especially now with. With five new players, and, and really yesterday was the only practice they've had a full practice where they can go out and work on things and figure out the timing and the rhythm of the offense and the defense. It, it's another opportunity for these guys to get playing time together to figure it out, albeit uh, under fire in a real game. And you'll have to see how they do. But so that's the aspect that Billy Donovan has to look at it right now. He's still trying to figure out who can play with who. And obviously, it'd be nice to have everybody play with Zach Levine. But he can't do it right now, so we'll find out just what they can do when they're out there.
1: Bill Wennington, our guest. A few more minutes with him. Uh, Mike Esposito here on 670, The Score. We have Bulls and Suns basketball coming up uh, pregame at 845, tip at 9 uh, right here on The Score and the Bulls radio network. Um, and, Bill, as we as we look at this, and we talked uh, previously about rotations and about starting lineups, and we heard from Lowry Markinen a little bit uh, uh, after they moved him to the bench, after Billy Donovan uh, went and talked to him and said, "Hey, I want to, I want you to have you coming off the bench," uh, he made, you know, let. I mean, he didn't make a big stink of it, but he said, "Listen, I think I'm a starter in this league. I think he handled it pretty well, but uh, certainly I think he would rather be starting, right?"
0: I, I think everyone would rather be starting, but when it comes down to it, you'd rather be playing and getting paid, and right. and that's and that's the way it works, but. You know what? This could be an opportunity for him to, to figure out exactly who he is and how he approaches the games and and what's best for Larry Marketing and what, what is best for the Bulls. And, again, and I, I don't know exactly what Larry Markadon's thinking in his head, but I do know uh, for myself when I was coming off the bench, I thought I was better than Luke Longley. I sh- I'm a much better scorer than Luke Longley was, but he's a better defender. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the, what the Bulls are in the starting lineup with – uh, Michael Jordan, Scottie P- Scottie Pippen, and uh, Ron Harper. You don't need another scorer. You need a, a guy that can f- facilitate passing out of the low post and play defense against guys like Patrick Ewing. Uh, and, you know, in and, and the big sense, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, the big centers in the NBA, so me coming off the bench gave the offense a little bit of a spark, uh, could open up the floor a little bit so guys could drive the lane, and larry has got to look at it that way. I said, all right, but well, this is an opportunity for me to really worry about my game, and if you think about it, coming off the bench, uh, you're going to be the main offensive piece yep. when you get out there, and you'll be the focus point, point. and if you're a starter, you're going to handle it much better coming off the bench than, than not, and we'll we'll find out a lot about Laurie and how he's f- reacts to this and how he does
1: yeah and I kind of thought exactly that it's like I want to see Lowry you know because he he is the top option there on on the second unit as they come in uh whereas you don't have to you know fight for shots with with Vooch and with Zach uh and with the rest of the starting lineup and and the second unit obviously as you, as you mentioned in your own situation right you need scoring in the second unit it's a different dynamic coming in uh and a different mix of players so I I certainly think an opportunity for Lowry and and one that I, I know we've debated on these airwaves with uh, with lots of people and with our listeners as well is, is Lowry a long-term piece? I know they, they could not agree to an extension before the season and, and may still do so. We're not sure as to how everything is going to play out, but uh, he's really holding his future in his hands right now.
0: Uh, he really is, and he's got to bet on himself and make it happen. And uh, one of the things that Lowry has to do is just be consistent. And uh, you can't have games where – you go out and and you you know you shoot you know five of nine which is not bad the other night but you only had uh, I believe you had uh, six points in the second half or five points in the second half you you mm-hmm. got to play consistently uh, you you can't have nights where you shoot uh, three of fifteen uh, you always got to keep that number up there and keep your points up there especially when you're being counted on. Uh, to be that offensive threat, and then defensively, you got to at least do a little bit better job. As right now, teams are kind of picking on Laurie a little bit and forcing him uh, to move his feet laterally and challenge him to to stay, keep going.
1: Yeah, and Bill and I know one of the things we we've talked about uh, several times now uh, since since the trade, since the big trade uh, deadline day with the Bulls making those moves, uh, has been the defense and the defense not looking as uh, as sharp as it needs to. Uh, you know the new pieces kind of feeling their way uh, into the rotation and feeling their way into their new organization. But how do they pick it up tonight against Phoenix? And you mentioned Utah is the next game. It it only gets harder. In fact, if, if you look at records, you know Utah has uh, got the got the better record, but two of your more uh, elite teams in the league.
0: Yeah, well, you gotta you gotta limit your mistakes. And that, and and honestly, in my opinion, that's been the Bulls' problem pretty much all season. Turnovers has been horrendous. Bulls last in the league, thirtieth in turnovers, averaging uh, over 16 a game. Uh, the starting lineups just came out, and Larry Marketin is actually going to start tonight. Oh, no, see? And uh, so Bulls actually going with a big lineup with uh, markin Vucevic, uh, Williams, and Thad Young uh, in the starting lineup, along with Thomas uh, Sadoransky. So uh, going with a big lineup against this Phoenix team, and maybe <clears throat> you, know, you know the old saying, Mike, size matters
1: <laughs> yes it does well they're they'll be out there against uh you know the the Suns with uh with and i love chris paul i'm sure you do as a basketball guy too uh you know the way he plays the game but they have a lot of interesting pieces phoenix you know devin booker is great uh you can fill it up uh Aiton in the middle is a big presence but uh this is a team that's well put together and you know they're gonna have to be pretty flawless to, to win tonight i think
0: uh, the, the Bulls really are, and th- the one thing about this Phoenix team is is they're not a huge points in the paint. They're not attacking the rim, and they're not getting a lot of points to the paint. They're actually 23rd, they average 45 points in the paint. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, but they're also not a, a huge three-point shooting team. Uh, they average 34 three-point shots a game. The Bulls average 34 themselves. Uh, so it, not a huge discrepancy there, so it'll be interesting to see how Bulls' big lineup goes against this Phoenix team. It it does take some mid-range shots, and I'm not saying they never score in the paint, but they just don't score a lot in the paint, and it'll be interesting to see how the Bulls react to that and how Phoenix reacts to a big lineup uh, out there on the floor with uh, Thad Young possibly playing the the two or the three position.
1: Yep. And last thing for you, Bill, and I appreciate you jumping on uh, ahead of pregame to to talk uh, about this game. Um, and I think we agree on this pretty strongly. Patrick Williams, as you know, halfway through his rookie season, continues to grow, continues to, to, to show signs uh, of potential greatness. I don't want to say that he's there yet because he's not, but I think if you're the Bulls and if you're a Bulls fan, uh, based on half of season and what we've seen so far and uh, the growth he's shown, I, I think you have to be pretty excited about what he can be going forward.
0: You absolutely do. You, you got to love the way he's been aggressive all season long defensively, playing, getting matched up in his rookie season against uh, the best players in the league and holding his own. Uh, the knock yep. against Patrick Williams was his shooting forty, but he's shooting forty six percent from the floor, thirty seven percent from behind the three point line for for a rookie who's not a three point shooter. That's terrific. That's really really good. And he's not known as a three point shooter, but thirty seven percent. Uh, for, for a guy coming into the NBA that's not known as a three-point shooter is absolutely terrific. And then the ability he has to finish at the rim, put the ball on the floor, and, and, and really bring home the thunder uh, with some uh, great dunks has been phenomenal. So I, I'm excited and ecstatic for him going forward, uh, really looking for to next season when we, when we get a normal training camp, I hope, mm-hmm. and, yep. uh, and see him how he performs in his second season.
1: Yep, I'm excited for it too, Bill. I'm excited for you and Chuck to have the pregame and the call of the game tonight. We'll be listening uh, and hopefully uh, get a win against those Suns.
0: You got it, Mike. Always a pleasure, my man. And uh, we'll talk to you later on down the lines. Talk
1: to you down the line. Appreciate it. Bill Wennington, uh, part of our broadcast crew, Chuck Swirsky. And Bill, will have the game for you uh, moments from now, Uh, the pregame moments from now anyway at 8.45. And uh, Bulls and Suns tip at 9.00. Uh, if you missed it, the news, Kobe White, Zach Levine, Garrett Temple, all out of tonight's game due to various injuries. Uh, so your starting lineup, Markinen, Sato, Vucevic, Williams, and Thad Young. We are out of time. We need to make way for that Bulls pregame show. Uh, our thanks to Sean Anderson and Mike Rankin. Appreciate your great job, guys, back at the Score Studios. Thanks to our guests, Bruce Levine from our staff, Jay Croucher, points bet, Head of Trading, Tony Andracchi from Marquis Sports Network, uh, from Future Sox, James Fox, and uh, Bill Wennington, who you just heard right now. Mike Esposito uh, here with you signing off. It's been a pleasure. Hope to talk to you again soon. And, again, stick around for Bulls basketball as the Bulls play in Phoenix right here on 670 The Score.